I look back over my life and uh, my ministry. I can go back and I can see different things that happened and transpired from time to time that kind of altered my course a little bit, put me on a different direction maybe than what I was going, that changed different things. And it's part of a... um, a growth process. It's part of a growth process. And, you know, we have the old saying that we take it to be a good thing. Sometimes when somebody talks about somebody and says, well, you know, so-and-so, they, um, they never change. They're always the same. Well, I can, under, I can understand one thing, how people may look at that and say, well, you know, that's a good thing. But, but on the other hand, spiritually speaking, uh, I don't want to be said of me that I don't change. Because if you grow, you're going to change. The more you grow, the more you're going to change. Your everything from your uh, looks to your demeanor will alter. And you hear it all the time about going to conferences, and they talk about, you know, let's, and a lot of times in the, the opening speaker and the, will say something, you know, or the opening prayer, you'll say, Oh God, in these next few days, let us leave this place changed. And a lot of times those become just words. That we go to conferences, we go to meetings, we go to churches, and we basically leave the same. Kind of goes along with a message I preached a couple years ago uh, about worship that leads to change. Don't leave the same way you came. Well, I'm going to tell you, Reverend Rex Johnson, this past week has impacted my life. And I can honestly say, if you don't have the same pastor you had just a week ago, God spoke to me strongly. Probably more so in an area that I'm more staunch on than anything else. But God says we're at the end. And we've got to see as many people get in and be saved as we possibly can before the doors are ever closed. And if we are to do that, if we are accomplish that, I've got to change my delivery and my approach, and you've got to change the way that you accept or possibly reject certain people.
We're going to go to, to, to 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and read the first two verses. I'm reading from the New King James Version. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 2 and 3. As God was giving me this word and implanted it in my spirit early this morning, as I was, it was all coming together, I had that feeling. It's usually just about every year there's a certain message, a certain word God gives me that this is going to be, this is going to go down to be one of the most powerful messages God will give me in 2011. Apostle Paul told the church at Corinth, For I am jealous for you with godly jealousy. For I have betrothed you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear, lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. We're focusing on the third verse. For Paul said, I, I'm, I'm afraid, I'm concerned that as the serpent deceived Eve by his shyness, his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. I want you to pray for this pastor is from this text. I want to preach the subject titled The Uncomplicated Gospel. The Uncomplicated Gospel. Father, as a song that was sung today, let your grace and mercy rest upon me right now for the next few moments as somehow I try to reach out and deliver what you have poured into my heart this morning. In Jesus' name, let the church say, Amen. You can be seated. The uncomplicated gospel. Paul said... I'm concerned that your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Let's lay in on that word, simplicity. If you look it up in the dictionary, this will be the de definition you will find. The state of being simple or uncomplicated. Anytime you look up a word, there's usually a list of things. And this, this was the first thing that come up. Simplicity. The state of being simple or, or uncomplicated. Paul said that he feared we might become corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. He feared 
that some would try to complicate the message by adding thoughts, opinions, and theories of their own. If there's one thing about the gospel, folks, it's a simple truth. It is man and our theologies and our denominations and our organizations and our own way of interpreting the book that complicates the simplicity that God intended His message to be. The, uh, the message Pastor Rex Johnson preached on grace Friday night really moved and stirred my soul and spirit in a tangible way. And it is very distressing when you consider how the church itself down through the years has, in a sense, become taskmasters, enslaving God's people like Egypt did years ago during the time of Moses. Exodus 1 and 11 says, Therefore they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens. And they had to build for Pharaoh treasure cities, Python and Ramses and other things that they built. The bondage the Israelites were under was a physical bondage, but the bondage that I'm referring to is a religious bondage, which can be just as intense and cruel. And God is still crying out today as He did through Moses long, long, long ago. Let my people go. For some reason or another, men have turned the pastoral ministry And the word, they've done exactly what the book said. Do not lord yourself over God's heritage. I'm here to tell you right now, that dictator in Libya that we are already starting missile attacks on is not the only dictator around. There's a lot of churches, apostolic included, that's got some Gaddafis running around. The gospel of Jesus Christ was intended to be good news. Look at somebody and say good news. It was intended to be good news. And the power of that gospel was meant to liberate, not bind you. The gospel should bring life, but the manner in which it is far too often used brings death. Now, you can get in it because I'm already started preaching right now. Hallelujah. Don't wait for some grand finale. I'm giving you 
you a strong word right now. Driving past the church one day, the sign outside read, Don't let worry kill you. Let the church help. Now, I'm sure they meant that in a good sense, but when you think about how it's worded, come on, somebody. It's kind of like in a church bulletin one time. They was going to have, have dinner on the ground out in the park, and uh, they said, everybody come out to the park, bring your blankets to put on, spread on the ground, and let's all, we're going, and they was going to have a dinner on the ground and singing. They said, come out, bring your blankets, laying on the ground. And everybody come and we're, we're going to uh, get out there. And we're going, supposed to have been singing, but the G got dropped. One letter makes a big difference. Hallelujah. Don't let worry kill you. Let the church help. Oh, God. Listen. Are we who are to be tributaries of life, actually becoming agents of death? Do we reshackle the ones whom the Son has made free? Those of you who make use of email, hallelujah. Thank you, God, for stirring me in this message and giving me this. Those of you who make use of email through means of the Internet know that you can write a message to someone and then add an attachment to the message before you send it. How many knows what I'm talking about? You can, it can be a picture. It can be anything. It can be another file or whatever. Okay. We can attach a message before we send it. Well, listen, folks. The gospel is not email, and it doesn't need any attachments, clever or otherwise. God spoke that strong in my spirit this morning, that His message, glory to God, is not an email, and I don't need to attach anything to it. Just preach it. Anytime. We add attachments to the gospel. We complicate its message and enslave the receiver with religious bondage which will stifle and suffocate their spirit and life in Christ Jesus. Apostolic preachers in this last hour that we're living in need to stand and declare the uncomplicated gospel. Jesus made it simple. We're the ones who complicate it and make it difficult. The book that I read says the ways of a transgressor is hard. Hallelujah. Oh, God, why? Amen to men and then in some organizations and churches deem it necessary that we gotta hog tie the saints, amen, and get them, amen, to uh, uh, to follow this thing or that thing or this rule or that thing. 
Hallelujah. We've attached too many things to the message of this book that all it has done is bound people instead of liberating them. Listen to me, church. You can always identify the true gospel by its simplicity and uncomplicated nature. Hallelujah. You can always identify the true gospel when it's preached. It's going to be simple. It's going to be... It ain't going to have a bunch of attachments to it. It's not going to confuse you. Do you know that the Bible says that the commandments of the Lord are not grievous? If somebody is preaching just the simple uh, uh, precepts of God's Word, His commandments, the book says His commandments are not grievous. If, if, the, if, the, if the, the things that we are teaching and preaching and, and putting across the people becomes a grievous, heavy burden, then it's not true gospel. Hello, somebody. Brother Bobby talked about something a few weeks back that I don't think a whole lot of people really understood a lot, lot of what he was trying to say. And it, God brought it back to my spirit when I, when I was coming up to the that God wants us to be comfortable in living for Him. He wants us to have not just life, but He said, what kind of life? Abundant life. When we begin to attach our rules, our standards, and our qualifications, we complicate the gospel's message and subdue the adherents. Listen to this. We subdue people to our opinions and feelings rather than to the truth of the message. You do not need to be, even though I'm your pastor, and the Word of God teaches you that you're supposed to, to give certain amount of respect to that office. Not, not to the man, but to the office. Come on. And even though that I'm your pastor, listen, that does not mean that, that, uh, that you're supposed to be hogtied to me and me to drag you around everywhere. You're not supposed to be tied to no man. You're supposed to be tied to Jesus. And my God, some pastors are school against they're so afraid of their position and afraid, amen, of losing something. And I, I know some that I've been told they don't even allow a visiting preacher or prophet to come in because they're afraid that their church folks, amen, will like their preaching better than theirs. Or maybe he'll show up to the congregation and maybe he's been praying and fasting, seeking God more than the home pastor is, and he's not hearing from God as much nowadays. Hello, somebody. Hallelujah. Is this all right? Hallelujah. 
I don't, I don't need to see that you are tied to me. What I'm trying to do is to get you hooked up with Jesus. His message. His book. Hallelujah. If you are pounded and pounded and pounded upon the head that you've got to do everything to suit me and to please me and don't breathe until pastor tells you to breathe and then that's all that is into you for year upon year, hallelujah, then God moves you away from there because maybe a job or something and you wind up somewhere else a hundred miles away under another ministry, you won't know what to do. You won't know how to live. Why? Because you've been under a taskmaster burdening you instead of being over a shepherd who's got love for you. I don't want to be nobody's taskmaster. I don't want to hear God hollering my voice, let my people go. I'm trying to get you a relationship to Him. I don't want you to be hooked up to me. I want you to get hooked up to Him, oh God. There are churches who are non-existent today because a man tried to dictate too long. The uncomplicated gospel. If you got the uncomplicated gospel, it's going to produce some things. The uncomplicated gospel will produce some things that other things will never produce. There are three things that I'm going to swiftly try to get through here. So listen close because this is a, this is an important word. The uncomplicated gospel is the only gospel that will produce number one an unconditional love. Thank you, Lord. The uncomplicated gospel will produce an unconditional love. First John chapter four verses four through uh, chapter four verses seven through eleven. Beloved, let us love one another. Man, that, that was such a beautiful song Sister Kathy and Sister Jerry sung last Sunday. That was powerful. He said, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God. Oh God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Herein is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. My. If God loved us, we ought also to love one another. 
The question is, the question that we all should be concerned about is how does God love us? I believe that we all would agree with the scriptures that I just read. But the question that I want us all to take a little time to think about is how does God love us? And let me ask you a few questions. Does God love us only when we are good? Does He love us when we get unruly and selfish? Then that same kind of love God demands that we pass on to our brothers and sisters in Christ. In other words, we love them when they are bad and not good. Because I'll promise you, every day of my life, I don't live, you could say, Sammy ain't been a good boy today. But guess what? God loves me just as much on the days I'm a bad boy as I am a good boy. Why? Because I'm His Son. My three children weren't always good children. But did I ever stop loving Him? Oh, God, no. God loved us, we ought to love one another. And we know that He don't just love us when we are good. He don't love us, just love us. Uh, uh, he does love us when we get unruly and selfish. So we in turn got to love our brothers and sisters when they are bad and not good. We love them when they are unruly and selfish. We allow the unconditional love of God to flow out from us the same way God poured it into us. And listen close. To you that may be here this this afternoon who have been battered and bruised by religious tyrants who tell you God only loves you if you follow their standards and their rules, let the truth of God's uncomplicated gospel heal your heart and speak to your mind that God loves you if you live. Listen. God loves you if you live a perfect sinless day. But He loves you just the same if you hadn't lived a complete perfect sinless day. It's unconditional Love. He loves you if you have messed up and let your flesh have too much rain. Hey, don't look at me like all religious and I'm Holy Ghost filled. 
Because it doesn't matter how long we've had the Holy Ghost and how long we've been going to church and how long we've been doing the Holy Ghost two-step. There are times in every one of our lives that we let our flesh rule us instead of we ruling it. Any man or woman stand tell me different otherwise. I'm, I'm sorry. I will apologize for being, for being blunt, but I'm going to have to call you a liar. Brother Paul, if God didn't love us unconditionally, we would all be messed up. We would be in bad shape. Hallelujah. God still loves you the same. His love towards you is unconditional. You're His child. He loves you unconditionally. And an uncomplicated gospel will produce that same unconditional love. There's something else that it will produce. It will produce assurance of your salvation. Now, I'm going to upset some apostolics in some apostolic circles right here. But I'm here to tell you, church, there is nothing quite as sad as a child of God who has been born again, filled with His Spirit, and purchased by His blood, go through this life always doubting, wondering, and hoping that they are saved and ready to meet the Lord. As I've heard saints of old get up and testify, I praise God for a no-soul salvation. Jesus didn't die and shed His blood on the cross so you can go through this life wondering, doubting, and hoping, and oh, please, God, I hope I can make it. He did not die for you to live life in that kind of misery. Let me tell you the root of the problem. The root of the problem is fear. Fear instilled within the hearts of good people by bad preachers and denominational rules which attach conditions to salvation other than by through grace of Jesus Christ. Let me say that again in case somebody may have missed that. The root of the problem that people cannot have assurance of their salvation and their relationship with God, hallelujah, it's because they have had fear poured into them. They are good people who've had fear poured into them by bad preachers and denominations which have attached all these conditions to their salvation other than just saved by grace. Hallelujah. God wants you to have assurance of salvation. He wants you to know that you're saved. He wants you to understand that you are still saved even in on days when you wake up and you don't feel saved. Hallelujah. Because, folks, this thing does not work 100% by just feelings. Feelings will lead you astray. Hallelujah. Your feelings 
you can't trust your feelings. Brother Joseph, Sister Faith, I want y'all, I want y'all to face one another and just kind of be like you're carrying on a conversation and talking. Too many people are trying to survive by feelings. You wanna know why? Because sometimes I get somewhere, uh, Greg, and I look and I see two people talking and I'm around and my feeling, you know what my feelings tell me? They're talking about me. All right, y'all shut up. I'm preaching now. Hallelujah. Thank you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Your feelings is just like you just know that somebody's talking about you. And I hate to burst your ego, but their mind is a million miles away from you. Hallelujah. You're not. I'm not. I'm not as important to them as I might think I am. They got some other important issues that they talk about from time to time. And every time they talk, it's not about pastor. It's not about Brother Dallas. It's not about Sister Darlene. It's not Brother about Darrell. But y'all talking about sometimes what y'all talk about ain't even church related. And guess what? That's okay too. Some of these, some of this stuff that I'm telling you about, all these attachments to salvation, they 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 attach things and say, well, you 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 can't. It ain't right for you just to live a normal life. You've got to be out here somewhere up on the pedestal, pedestal, and you can't be affected else by nothing in this life. Hallelujah. If you give God a respectable amount of time and you give Him a portion of your time, a portion of your money, and you worship Him when you go to God's house, then you don't need to come to a church and have somebody beat all over you because you went to a ball game somewhere. That's tyrancy. It's not pastorship. It's an attachment to the email of the gospel, brother. Whoop, 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 glory to God. Bible says there's a time and a place for everything. Everything has its time. A time to be born, a time to die. A time to laugh and a time to cry. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The problem is we got too many people think too much of their self and they think they're so close to God and so right that if everybody else don't dress exactly like them, talk exactly like and like the things that they like and hate the things that they hate, them people are not spiritual people. Am I preaching or what, sis? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm talking about it's time for... If you believe the message that I preached last Sunday about these about these times that we're living in and the ensuing times of trouble, then you've got to realize it's time that we quit complicating this thing too much. 
it's hard enough with everything out there that the devil is trying to draw our teenagers with. It's hard enough to get them in and get them right living for God without attaching this, 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 and this, dragging them down. Hallelujah. Listen, they're 20 years younger than you. They ain't going to like the same music you like. They ain't going to do the same things you do. Get used to it. You had the same problem with you and your parents when you was young. You're just so old, you forgot about it. Hallelujah. God wants us all to have assurance of our salvation. I can give you chapter and verse for that. First John chapter 5, verse 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Not hope, not wish, Not that you have eternal life on the day you live perfect and you lose it and don't have it the day that you mess up some. If you got eternal life, if the word eternal means anything like what I think it is, if I got eternal life today and I don't have it to bar, it never was eternal to begin with. Hello? Hallelujah. Now listen, folks. It's impossible for you to know you are saved and have eternal life if you are attempting to follow some man's complicated attachments to what the Scriptures tell us that we are saved by. Come on. You're going you're to always wander. You're going to live in misery. Your life is not going to be happy. If you, if you start following all the attachments that people put to the gospel about what it is that you and I and all of us are saved by. You know what that is? You know what the Bible says we're saved by? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For, for by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man or woman should boast. Church, salvation is a gift from God free and postage paid by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Now you can tell Brother Rex Johnson got into me the other night. Hallelujah. Listen, you don't earn it, and you never will deserve it. I said you won't earn it, and you never will in this life deserve it. You never will get to the place and the point in God in this life that you will ever deserve one ounce of the grace that God pours in your life. If you believe that, then you're going to have to go back and get saved all over again is all I can tell you. Hallelujah. You don't earn it. And you never will deserve it. It is freely given to all those who become born again children of the King. Hallelujah. There's one other thing that the uncomplicated gospel will produce, and this is the final thing with my message. It will produce 
liberty in Christ. Liberty in Christ. John chapter 8 and verse 36. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free. Hallelujah. We got it up there. We don't have that word said in there, do we? Okay. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Way up there in the back and up top. Listen to me, fellas up there. Once the blood of Christ has paid the debt for your salvation, there is nothing else left to pay. He paid it all in full. He didn't he didn't he didn't he didn't pay part of it until you could take up the rest. He paid it all in full. Amen? We are henceforth free, listen to me now, we are henceforth free from any late fees, garnishments, or other legal actions which we were subject to before he handed us a clear title to that mansion. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now that's shouting grounds. He paid the price for my salvation. And although they're the, everybody from the devil to, to different people around in this life, they might, they might try, hallelujah, they might try, amen, to, to start handing you a late fee or a garnishment or some kind of other. But how in the world can you give somebody a late fee and garnish them for something that's paid in full? Brother... Rex Johnson said in his message that he would advise you to stop, stop sending in the monthly payment once your mortgage is paid off. Anybody remember him saying that? He said it on Friday night. He would advise you to stop sending in that payment once that mortgage has been paid off. Huh. The only new vehicle I ever bought, and probably the only one, when I bought when I bought that uh, pickup truck at Chevy Truck back in well, it was two, uh, back in the year two thousand. Man, I, I signed all them papers, and I looked there, and I had to refocus there. And you are henceforth to pay. I don't remember now. If I forgot it. it was five hundred and something dollars a month that I done tied myself up to for seventy-two months. <laughs> there was a lot of times that uh, I'd like to go over here and do something, maybe go out for a special dinner, or this and that. Brother Paul, but I knew that payment was coming around. And I knew I had to, I had to have that amount to send off to GMAC 
And I paid it. I paid it because I was obligated. I'm the one. Did, didn't, did not anybody force me to sign on that dotted line? So I made, I made the debt. I paid it. But you know what? When I got into that last year, every time I got that notice, I got to looking at that balance. Oh, man, I started counting up the days. I started counting up the days. And I never will forget the day I sat down and wrote out that last check for 500 and something dollars, put a stamp on it and sent it off to GMAC. I got a clear title in the mail not long after that. Now, now you ask me, after I had that clear title in my hand, do you think I continued to send off at 500 and something dollars a month? No. I use that and me and Sister Pruitt party a little bit. Hallelujah. Go out and have a little bit more freedom. A little bit more liberty. Listen to me now. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The uncomplicated gospel will bring liberty in Christ. And so as Brother Rex said, amen, why are you still trying to send in the mortgage payment if it's paid in full? I'm here to tell you, Jesus paid your debt. Jesus has made us free, so why should we allow ourselves to be placed in bondage by religious do's and don'ts that don't even line up to the gospel but are only an email attachments? Oh, the God that just complicates it. My Lord, the 20 years that we was on the evangelistic field, just because you go into a church... And they got apostolic. You don't know what, what in the world all is preaching there. And a lot of them don't have liberty preached. And she can't wear them now. She's unable to. But Sister Darlene used to like to wear those, uh, those high heels. And she had a, a pair of high heel, pretty red high heels. We went somewhere up in Kentucky sometime, one time. <laughs> and uh, we soon found out that nobody in that congregation was allowed to wear anything with the color red because, bless God, red represents sin, and we ain't supposed to do nothing that represents sin. I still ain't figured out why red represents sin. In my opinion, red to me represents the blood that covers my sins. Hallelujah. Man can always come up with a bunch of stuff that they want to title holiness just to get more hold on somebody. But don't let man bondage you if you've been made free by Jesus Christ. Just stick with the uncomplicated gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm closing. And I want to close by leaving you with this. There's a big difference in doing something because you have to do it and then doing something because you want to do it. Yeah. 
liberated people don't serve God out of obligation. They serve Him out of love. Hallelujah. Amen. If you're here, what you've done today is we've met here today and we've come together. You've worshipped. You have given of your time. You've given of your finances. But if you did all that out of feeling obligated, you missed the point. And you're not going to get the full benefit from it. If you're liberated, liberated people don't serve out of obligation. They serve out of love. Hallelujah. I live for God today because I choose to. Hallelujah. I, I try to keep myself living a life pleasing to God because I choose to. Because He has liberated me. He has made me free. Church, we're too close to the end. There are too many people who need to be saved and hear this wonderful message of a mighty God in Christ, baptism in His name, and being filled with His Spirit. But a lot of people will never grasp it and never hear it. Not because of the message, but because too many of us have complicated the message. We've gotten too used to making those email messages and putting a tag. That might be all right for your email, but it's not for the gospel. It's not for the gospel. Let's everybody stand. Let what the Spirit of God has spoken to you meditate through your being today. And let's all pray the prayer. God, help us not to complicate things. Your Word says the simplicity of the Gospel and the simple truth that Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners. That's the simple truth. And He died to bring me salvation. Hallelujah. Let's worship Him right now. And if you want to come and stand and pray, we give you that opportunity right now. Well, oh, the blood.